What's happening? Welcome back in. Jay Martin, Ramon, 104.5, the zone powered by all four seasons, garage doors. They're right here in Nashville, TN. Tons of experience. If you got garage door issues, get them handled with our guys, all four. That's the number four if you want to look them up online, all four seasonsgarages.com slash Nashville. That'll get you what you need. Ramon Foster, Jonathan Schaefer, Jason Martin. Those are our names. We're on Twitter at Jmart and Ramon, at Ramon Foster, at Jmart Radio, at Schaefer on Sports. Are you a Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter person, or were you more, or are you more? Yes, I get it. Tekken, Soul Calibur, all these are true. Marvel Capcom 3 is probably my favorite fighting game ever, even though Mortal Kombat 2 might be the thing I played the most of, because that's when they brought in Baraka and Kitana Uh, and Kung Lao and some of those guys. And Baraka, I know this is an audio medium, even though we now have video. But like Baraka, when you think Baraka, the only thing that you immediately do is just, the, yep, that's it. It's like and Wayne the, Chisholm <laughs> headband. Wayne with the headband. No matter what you could do, as many times you tried to block it, your energy was still going down. Yeah, your strength was. Still you would going jump down. into it because you would be going for like a jump kick. Yeah, and you would just. Yep. Yep. Tekken wasn't my thing though. Tekken was Tekken was so impressive to watch. Yeah, and. I never, I mean, I would play it some, but it just never had the same hook to me. It did not. It did not. The Mortal Kombat, though, their their series of moves, though, as far as, like, what they did, the Scorpion. Scorpion was Scorpion. Look, and James Lewis asked this question, and when we were doing this poll question, I was trying to decide, do you do Street Fighter Mortal Kombat or favorite character from Mortal Kombat? Because the movie, of course, came out on Friday. And... I think both of them are right. And James Lewis is like, well, the second question is, who did you use? Who's your favorite character? And he said, Scorpion all day. Mm-hmm. And that was who I used all the time, too. I mean, I moved around. We would move around. Oh, we would yeah. even do random characters and stuff with my friends and all that, too, yeah. just to have fun with it. But if I was just playing to beat the game, it was always Scorpion. Because He's, get over here yep. was so great. Yep. And it was this. So when you were fighting to go up the ladder, yeah. being able to stay away from what was the forearm guy? Uh, God. Goro. Bo- yeah. Prince Goro. He's in the movie. Stay, staying away from Goro was the best. It was, was better done with Scorpion. Uh, yeah. It was, yeah, because if you were Luke Kane trying to kick, you, I mean, he was just going to grab you and beat you. Get that club <laughs> shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Baraka. Johnny Cage was so cool, though. He was good. I feel like his uh, his strength, as far as on the game, stayed better than everybody else between him and Liu Kang. Liu Kang, I really liked too, because the bicycle kick made me laugh so much. Yeah, uh, and the fireballs are pretty easy to pull yeah. off. Back, I just I thought Liu Kang was a really balanced fighter on there. Oh yeah, yeah, he was sort of your your Ryu or Ken, yeah, kind of guy. So we're getting a lot of that. And Raiden was just never for me. I mean, I played I with him Raiden. fine because I like that teleport move. And oh yeah, all of that kind of stuff. You skip screens. Yeah, yeah. But I, 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 I was much more Scorpion than Raiden. Uh, yeah, I, it was Scorpion, Sub Zero, and Sub Zero. I loved Sub Zero. I thought that that outfit, the blue outfit, was cool. Yeah, like I just loved how it looked. And just the the deal where you throw the ice on the ground and they slide backwards <laughs> and they're just like fumbling around and you could roll up and uppercut them. Love yeah. that. I've Love seen, that. I'm looking at some of these new characters they got on Nightwolf, Smoke, Reptile. Yeah, well, I mean, well, Smoke was actually in yeah. Mortal Kombat 2 as okay. a hidden character. Uh, Nightwolf showed up in 3, yeah. I think. 
Yeah. Which I loved. I thought three was a great one too. That was the last side scrolling one. Like mm-hmm. one of the older ones before I think four is when they went three dimensional. Yeah. And to me that changed it. I still liked it. But the Mortal Kombat, the, the fighting games I knew were the side scrolling games. Yeah. yeah as cool yeah. as it is, I, maybe I'm just not adept enough to handle it once it got past that. But there were a whole lot of characters. Yeah. I can't wait to see. It. I'm checking it out. Seriously. Yeah, well, we uh, will we will break it. it down in detail after you see it. Luke Kang. Yeah. Um, Julio Jones, I tease this. Yeah, you tease that. I, I didn't even see this, Jay. What's going on? Look, man, it's a season of lies. It's also the season, of, it's the season of projection. So I'm just going to read this paragraph from this morning's piece from Peter King. Surprises. Peter. Keep an eye on Atlanta. I can't predict any bombshells, but a few things would not surprise me. So that's basically hedging your bet. So if it doesn't happen, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Most notably, the Falcons putting the framework of a trade together for star wideout Julio Jones and making the trade effective June 2nd. That way Atlanta could split Jones' cap charge between 21 and 22 instead of getting bashed with it all this year. It's almost like he's talked to somebody. So if such a trade happens, I expect it could involve a future pick or picks. Nothing this year. A future second-round pick as compensation seems fair to me. Because such a trade wouldn't be official until June, no picks in this draft could be involved. As for the interested team or teams, I would guess Las Vegas. John Gruden couldn't resist Antonio Brown. I doubt he could resist Julio Jones. New England, too, and a couple of teams with clear receiver needs. Tennessee and Baltimore. Ooh. So of the four teams mentioned right there, Peter King throws Tennessee into the mix for Julio Jones as a trade. Now he's also saying... I'm not reporting the Falcons will trade Jones or will probably trade Jones. I'm saying it would not surprise me if it happens. Just say what's So something. really what that is is I needed to fill something to create something because either you know something and you're saying it so you can sound smart after the fact. Yep. Or you're just rattling off at the mouth. And then covering your bases also by exactly. saying it might or might not happen. Exactly. Is, uh, it, that that right there, I don't even know if that's even relevant. I, would, I don't even know if the last 45 seconds was worth us reading that because it tells you nothing. Other than it being a scenario that could or could not happen. But everything is a scenario that could or could not happen. <laughs> what point exactly? Like okay. There is a scenario in the next five seconds where this chair, I'm going to fall on the ground. If I start leaning back, all of a sudden I can hit the ground. Now, I'm not reporting that I'm going to hit the ground. I am reporting that I could within the next five seconds if the chair is so desired. But there's a chance that it may or may not happen. Again. Thanks for that. Uh, uh, Appreciate the update. So it's when it's this time of year, Jay. Well, you know, we always get somebody that bring up a question. Let's talk sports. Yeah, we're gonna talk, but it's gonna be the same regurgitated stuff that you get week in and week out about people who say stuff may or may not happen or could or won't happen. Like, which one do you want? Is it gonna happen or is it not gonna happen? Well, I'm gonna say it just in case it does happen because I want to be first on the scene. But I'll cover it up by saying it's not gonna happen too, just in case it doesn't. Like people. This is what we're dealing with right now. It's a lot of uh, saturation of just anything that you want to happen that may or may not happen. I keep saying it because that's what every the draft is. Look, the draft itself is fun. Three days, The draft man. itself is fun. Titans Radio is going to do a great job. Can't wait. You're going to be a part of it. It's going to be awesome. Um, But Schaefer said it to me during a break, and this is how I feel. Can we please get the draft here because I'm done with this? Yeah. I'm done with this. There are some people that just eat and sleep this all of the run-up to the draft stuff? Yeah. No. Tell me who you're going to pick. Let's have a discussion then about, well, did this make sense? Did this not make sense? Was this a reach? Blah, 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 all of this. What was this team doing? What trades got made? 
That's fun. Yeah. That'll be fun radio no. on Friday. That'll be fun radio on Monday. But the let's pick these guys apart for a week and a half, and let's talk about all of this, and let's bring up who might trade. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not even saying it's probable to happen. I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um. I'll say this. we got Coach Matt coming up in a little yeah. bit in the next segment. And I, I think a, maybe a fair question to ask, will the Titans trade back? But guess what? His answer is going to be just like all, all the national maybe. analysts, possibly. Would you rather them draft, uh, uh, trade back? Also? That's, a better That's probably a better question. That's a better Would question. Would you rather them trade back? Would you rather? That's the game we're playing right now. We're basically playing the college high school. Would you rather? That's basically what draft season is right now. Yeah. It is. Spin the ball. I'm just glad it's finally draft week. Me too. Because I'm tired of expert opinions and experts that are claiming to be in the know when they don't know anything. Uh, uh, A question I got for you, though, is this. Who's the most arrogant team or fan base that after their first-round draft pick is picked, it's like, yep, we're winning it all. Who's going to be that team this year? That's probably a team that's already pretty close. Huh. When you think, I mean, none of the teams that are drafting quarterbacks are now going to think. I mean, but you got to think when when the first round quarterback is picked in like the top, Sanchez, going to the Jets. You know what I'm saying? I know some people like boo or what, but this is our Jets shot. fans never love. We're never fan. we're never going to say anything about the New York Jets during a draft ever, <laughs> ever because it's just all bad and wrong anyway. I mean, one thing about it is they're going to take Zach Wilson. Their fans have gotten used to that. And they've been sold a bill of goods, to say the least. So we don't know whether or not the goods are solid or not. We just know he has elite arm talent. But he also had competition that, let's just say, is not going to replicate what he's about to see in the National Football League. Right. Cleveland Browns. That's who's going to do it. Can Cleveland outdo Nashville when it comes to the draft? Absolutely not. No. (laughs) Cleveland's barely even a city. I saw somebody say. Yeah, I said that. Oh. Is it a city? Mistake by the The mistake I was going there. But they'll, by the but they'll be the fan base once they make their pick. We're going. And you know what? They've got a legitimate shot. The telephone number to reach us always is 615-737-1045. We do have Dave McGinnis coming up next. We'll get his final draft thoughts and what to expect from Titans Radio and their coverage. They're going to do a fantastic job. They do every single year. It's going to be the way to experience the draft. You can watch it on whatever channel you want, but have 104.5 Zone queued up. And just listen to that crew because nobody's more prepared. We we were going to need to get into Rhett's studio at some point this week with Titans Radio to do a something. Now we're not going to end up needing to do because we're going to do it live. Uh-oh. But I was just like, we probably can't get in there because Rhett's going to be wall to wall. No, he's done. Rhett's, Rhett's locked in. No, he's done. Cool. For the most, that's part, what I yeah. say to that. For the most part, yeah, he's he's ready to rock and roll. So that's awesome. We got Coach Mack. We'll talk to him about what the Titans might do. We'll not probably mention Julio Jones. At all, but will they draft somebody or should they trade back? Mm. We'll talk to them about that and plenty more when we come back. It's Jay Martin Ramon, 1045 The Zone. This is some good. <laughs> Welcome back, Jay Martin Ramon, 1045 The Zone. Jason Martin Ramon Foster, 11 year NFL vet and Vol for Life back home in Knoxville this weekend. And Jonathan Schaefer on Twitter at Jay Martin Ramon. James Lewis dropped me a couple of Jim Gaffigan memes who basically said, yeah, you're Jim Gaffigan now. And the meme says, you know what a, you know what it's like having a fourth kid? Imagine you're drowning and then someone hands you a baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much, man. 
So 104.5 Zones NFL draft coverage all month long and certainly all week long, sponsored by Farm Bureau Health Plans. So is Coach Mack. Need great health care coverage at an affordable price? Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Coach, what's going on? Hi, J-Mart, Ramon, Shafe, J-Mart, first of all, how's uh, Claire Grace and Abby? They good? Yeah, they're doing all right. I can't get Claire. We can't get Clara Grace to lay down flat in the pack and play at night or at any point to sleep. We have to have her elevated or she fidgets and makes noise that keeps everyone awake. So right now, Abby is sleeping, sitting up on the couch with like this cushion thing next to her with CG in that. So that's something we've got to find a way to remedy, and I don't know how easy that's going to be. Well, just let me say this. Uh, I'm not an expert, but it sounds like Claire Grace is being a baby. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. You know a bunch of those throughout your time in the league too, don't you, Coach? <laughs> hey, look, just let it happen. It'll be fine. There's, there's billions of people walking the earth. It'll be okay. Yeah, it will be. Coach, we were listening to the OTP on the way back. From the orange and white nice. yesterday. Hey, how was you, how was you guys' trip to Knoxville? It was a lot of fun. It was. It was coach. a lot of fun to be around the program and just see some excitement. Just, I mean, it's always fun to see a new start. But this coaching staff, and it just seems like the university right now is real welcoming of former players, of alumni, and just kind of they're trying to create a positive vibe. And that's not how you felt down there in a while. So it was fun, and it was yeah. fun to watch Ron Slay and Ramon Foster hold court. <laughs> out there like they were celebrities. That was well, kind of hard are, to deal but, with. But they, they should be, and and with the, with the history that a place like the University of Tennessee has, that's how it should be every time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that you've got you've got guys that have been through there that have have built the you know the going clear back that have built the legacy of what uh, Tennessee athletics is. That's the way it should be. I'm really glad to hear that's the kind of vibe it was. It was coach. And one thing I've been, been saying, you know how you, your strings have been pulled a little bit. You, when you go into a building or wherever is that, uh, we were talking, it just didn't feel like you had a car salesman in front of you. They were, and that's a good feeling when you, when, when you're talking about sports as a whole, I think they're a university now, a coaching staff and a staff that knows where they are and knows what they need to do to get their coach. So that's a, that's a great start right there. I, I, I really, I really, really like hearing that because, you know, all, all of my experiences with the uh, university of Tennessee, especially football, when we, you know, back in the day, we'd go in there and make those, make those school visits and, you know, work out players in the spring. I mean, that, that place has just got a legacy of, of, yeah. of great athletic achievement. I'm really happy to hear that was the vibe because that's exactly how it should be. Yeah, and, I mean, Hypo was real down to earth in terms of he's very dialed into football. There's no question about that. He didn't know a whole lot of details of other things that are happening in life. He talked about his family and his kids as much as he did football. But there was yeah. there was definitely a real – I think this is a thing, Coach, and you can speak to this and you can look at this at the NFL level too. It's like Hypo was a player. And he's not 80 years old. Like, he's not somebody that's so far removed from being a player that he doesn't remember what it's like to be on the other side looking up at a coach. Like, there's a balance there where he can relate to the players a little bit and still also have a bit of the coach in him. And I think that's a, that's a nice that's a nice trait to have as a young football coach. Well, it absolutely is. And really, Jay Martin, it really has nothing to do with age. It just has, it just has something to do with uh, – uh, Look, this is a people business. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, whether you're 40 or you're 80, you treat people with respect and they will treat you like that back. And then plus they will want to be around you. You start treating people with no respect, not going to have a lot of people want to be around you. 
So what is on your mind? Like I said, we we're listening to the OTP, and you guys talked a lot about the new rules uh, on the on the latest official Titans podcast, and it was you and Rhett that were joining Mike and Amy, and right. I found that really fascinating. It was supposed to be an NFL draft preview cast, though, Coach, and you guys didn't really get to that. Not as much, but I guess as much as you've been talking and as much as you're about to talk this week and certainly once the draft kicks off on Thursday and you guys begin your coverage – it was good to kind of get a little bit of a refresher outside of that. What do you think of some of the new the new rules and the way that things have been laid down? You know, I, I, you know, they constantly tweak it. I mean, you know, for year about fifteen years when Jeff Fisher was the, you know, was in charge of that uh, the competition committee. You know, I would get you know the new rules uh, uh, preps before he ever even went to the owners' meetings, and then would come back and get a really good. Uh, dossier of what was going on and the, the league's always going to tweak rules i mean yeah. it really is the biggest thing that's going on now guys there, there's two things that that, that really make it uh are, that take precedence over any other rules right now for the national football league it's player safety all right and it's replay and getting the call right because we've got technology now that we've never had before and so you know you heard me say on that podcast you know they're talking about you know, you know, letting the, letting the guy in the box, you know, have a little bit more uh, uh, say in what goes on. He's still not a, an official. He's not a uh, air quote sky judge, but he'll be able to, to look down and say, hey, look, that ball hit the ground. Mm-hmm. And I said it, you know, because one of the reasons and I said, look, I could do that job because I spent yeah. you know a lot of years in the in the press box with a, with a monitor from the truck looking at it you know, making calls on whether we should challenge or not and whether a call was there or not. They, you've got the technology to do it now. I mean, 15 cameras is the fewest cameras you have at any uh, National Football League contest. And so they're trying to get that stuff right, but they're also trying not to interrupt the game. And then the player safety things, I mean, all of that is, you know, Mike Keith gave that fascinating, fascinating stat about the, the onside kicks, mm-hmm. you know, 67 being tried uh, last season and three being able to be recovered, you know. And so, I mean, it's – I'm all for the player safety. I really am. I mean, because I think that's something that has helped – that has helped our game, and it will help the players, you know, uh, you know, once they get through playing. I mean, you got a guy that's did it for 11 years, you know, with contact every play, yeah. you know, you know, sitting right there. So the safer you can make the game, the better. And the, and the more you can use technology without interrupting the flow of the game. And so, you know, I, I, I'm all for it if it's got some common sense to it. Coach, when it, when it comes down to, you know, the, I guess the efficiency of the game, listening to Mike Keefe talk yesterday when we were listening to the OTP podcast was this. He said, get rid of the, I mean, the uh, kickoff, you know, because he wants straight excitement. It, will we get to that point where the kickoff is taken away? No, we, we will not. And, okay. and, you know, Mike, Mike Keith and I look, I, I work with a Hall of Fame broadcaster, so I'm never going to disagree with him anything broadcast wise. That I keep telling him, no, you know, you, they're not going to get they're not they are not going to get get rid of that. They're just not going to do it. OK, um, coach, uh, you know, you guys are, you know, getting into the draft process. This is draft week is finally here. Um and I guess I got to ask you a guy that's been inside the room as far as the process of evaluation. There was a, a report released this morning about Christian Barmore and his, uh, I guess he's reluctant to take coaching sometimes. When stuff like this is dropped out into the media, especially on social media now, is this something that coaches really already know or is it already, or is it breaking news to, to coaching staffs that are evaluating them? Well, I, I'm really glad you asked that because that to me, first of all, uh, did anybody put a name with who said that? 
Of course not. I hope. <laughs> okay, number that's number one. That's number one. So they and number two is this. And I've been in 31 draft rooms. I've been in 31 draft preps in, in, in my career, all right? And, you know, and, and now going on five as, as a broadcaster. Here's the deal. If you're in a draft room and all of a sudden you're going to change your mind on what somebody says that you have no idea who it is mm. uh, four days before the draft and you change your grade on a player, then guess what? You've got the wrong people in that draft room, mm. all right? I mean, that's just all – that's just the truth. And so all of that stuff, I mean, close your eyes, tell me what you see. That's how much it matters right now. So do you, well, you tell me this because you've been in so many draft rooms, as you just said, coach, how, how sure do a lot of these teams feel about the guys that they want? Now, when you look at the evaluation process, is it still ongoing and there's still up and down moves being made in terms of, well, I like this guy better last week, or do they really have a pretty genuine sense of where they have these guys now you've got a good sense of where you have them but it's not necessarily and and let me just say this to both of you guys and then for our listeners because you guys are are sophisticated in this and so are our listeners it's not really who you want it's who's available to you when your pick comes Mm -hmm. okay there's a big difference in that all right and so when you start looking at, at, I mean, you grade people individually, and that's where your vertical—that's where your vertical draft board comes in. You grade people individually. You grade people individually in their position groups vertically. You grade people individually in the in the one through however many you've put up there. But then there's also a horizontal grade where you start to work pods of people, especially if you're drafting lower in the draft every round. You've got to work with pods of people rather than one particular person because you really have no idea what is going to happen before your picks in rounds one, two, and on through the draft. So we were talking to a former teammate of mine, uh, Kevin Simon, who's also a, a Dallas Cowboys scout. And he was yes. giving me the scenario of the Cowboys were ready to pick Ryan Shazier at 16. They had, I mean, they were they were super excited about yes. taking Shazier at 16. And Simon even mentioned that he felt like they knew something in that room that other people were knocking Shazier for from his workout. Yeah. And they realized it wasn't a big deal. And they were just they were ready to, to cry to when the Steelers hush. took him. Yeah, so the, the Steelers took him at 15. They had 16. They said they just threw their draft board on the tilt. And they ended up picking what was the Travis Frederick. Tra- Travis Fredrickson. No, well, was it Demarcus Lawrence? No, no, no. It was Travis Fredrickson. Yeah, think. yeah, that's right. Yeah. What happens in those situations? I know you have it pegged of who you want at what pick, but do some teams, I guess, or have you been in a room where it scrambles after your pick is gone? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, I have. That's a real scenario. And and usually what happens too, again, it, it it's when you get into the later parts. Of you know of of the draft, and I talk about later parts. I'm talking about the belly of the draft mm. when you start getting from you know from 15 to about you know 25 or 27, and then whatever those commensurate numbers are throughout the rest of the draft. Because what will happen sometimes? Somebody will have the same guy, and they'll trade up in front of you. Mm. All right, you may have it all figured out. Going, you know what? The Eagles are right here, and they do not. They do not need a receiver, and we're going to get this dude right here. And all of a sudden, somebody jumps up in front of you with a trade that you know really wants a receiver, and the guy that you have is sitting there on the on the board with a light blinking on top of his head <laughs> as the best receiver available at that point. And you you know before the name's even announced, they've got the dude. Yeah. Um, it, Coach, through this whole process of evaluating, 
Um, it's always interesting to me that every year there's only about maybe one tight end that you focus in on the draft. It's never a plethora of like four tight ends in the first round. You know, you can get guard, well, you can get tackles, there'll be quarterbacks, there'll be wide receivers, but the tight end position is usually just one guy, and that one guy this year is Kyle Pitts. Is it hard to evaluate tight ends in the draft process when it comes down to it? Well, it's not hard, but you have to do some projecting as far as to how you're going to use them. Okay. You know, because that's what that's that's what really goes on. Because the way that you see them used now in, in the in the professional game, you know, when, when you have 12 personnel in the ball game and you have two tight ends, you really don't have two, you know, inline tight ends in there. 12 personnel, you usually have what we call a stud tight end or, or a close side tight end where you'd you would set your defensive front, then you have an open side tight end, mm-hmm. a move guy or a guy that will split out so that it will look like 11 personnel. And so I think it's the way that they are used in collegiate football that you have to project as to how you want to use them. And, you know, whether you're a multiple tight end set, you know, a team like the Ravens that plays a lot of 13 personnel may look at tight ends differently than someone who is a, is an 11 personnel team and really only uses a tight end, you know, as, as a, as a, as a single guy to set an edge, you know, and let the other three wide receivers take care of the passing game. And so, and then you have a lot of scenarios in between that. So it's really the way that you have to project them. And there you go into what we've talked about before, guys, you start looking at traits. You don't start looking so much at production and scheme that they have been in. You start projecting traits that will fit what you want to do with a, with a tight end position. All right, coach Newsom, Elijah Moore, maybe some guys fall that you don't know or don't expect to be there at 22. For some reason, there's the option to trade down. I'm not asking you what you think John Robinson is going to do. I'm asking you as somebody with experience as somebody that has watched a ton of film on a lot of these guys and spent a lot of times breaking them down. When 22 comes, if it's your pick to make, what is the most glaring need and who is the guy that you go after? Well, they, I think they still need to, to, to help their, their receiving core and, and the, and the, back end of their defense. I mean, that, that to me is, that's where you've lost. That's where you've lost the most veteran players, you know, and to me that, that, that if, if the person is sitting there that you really like, that's what you do. I mean, and that is just, you know, my humble opinion, unless somebody falls there that all of a sudden you, you, you look at it and you go, Whoa. Okay. I mean, like if Kyle Pitts falls down there, you might take him. Yeah. Um, when it Jason played a clip earlier offline of Nick okay. Saban talking about, yeah, we're going to play it on air a little bit later on. But too. just as a, as as somebody that's in the business coaching, you know these two words. When somebody's giving a draft evaluation of a player and they use the words "and" and "but," what does that mean to a guy that's going through the process of of okay, we can trust him or we don't. Uh, and is what you want, but when they say "but." That's usually something another way for them to be able to uh, knock you, I guess. That that is 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 comes right in there to me when you're describing players with the phrase "with all due respect." Ah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because in most of the times, even if you're talking to somebody else in a non-football manner, and you say, "Hey, you know what, Ramon?" and all due respect, mm. well, then whatever's coming out of your mouth next is not a lot of respect. <laughs> you know, and so. When you're in a draft room, as I said, I've been in 31 of them where you are, when everybody's in the room and, and it's your turn to read your report, 
You don't want a whole lot of ands and buts. Look, just give your report and give why you like the player and why you don't like the player. And don't be one of those dudes that wants to sit in the middle and hedge your bet because everybody, if, if everybody in the room that was evaluating was going to hedge their bets, mm-hmm. then you'd never come to any conclusions. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's what that's where the best GMs are, guys. They're the best listeners. They don't want to be they don't want to be the final voice in the room uh, to begin any conversation. They want to hear, but the reason you are hired or the reason you are in there and the reason that you are are given the charge to write to evaluate and then write a report and then read a report to the whole room is that you've got an opinion on this player good or bad, but if your opinion is always in the middle, then you've really given me no opinion. Mm. One thing I read from Peter King this morning real quick, Coach, was that it looks like a record number of teams are looking to trade down. Maybe Tennessee's part of that group, but there's a lot of teams that are looking to trade down for whatever reason, and the way Peter says it is the sweet spot in this draft is going to be the second, third round, especially picks 30 to 75. How interesting do you think day two of the draft is likely to be? Very interesting. I think I think he I think he's right. And I think another reason, just in you know talking to a few people around the league, which means a lot of them, the the thing about this draft is 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 just because of the unusual evaluation period that that everybody has been in, truncated games, some opt outs, not a lot of face to face stuff. You might be better off in this draft. I mean, you know, some thinking that if they're, if guys are close, I mean, you'd like to get numbers. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, mm-hmm. You'd like to get numbers. And now if there's somebody genuinely that you're absolutely you know, sure, well, then, yeah, you got to go. The thing about trading down is, guys, and I, look, I worked the phones incessantly for 31 years on draft day. The thing about trading down is, is you've got to have somebody to trade with. You know, you, you can't just, you know, you can't just do like Mike Tyson, those guys did at the Vikings say, we'll pass. You, know, <laughs> you, just, you just, you just can't do that. I mean, and so you have to have, and all of those conversations, a lot of those conversations have gone on now. We saw, we saw a big trade made with Baltimore and the chiefs, you know, before the draft, but a lot of these, a lot of these trades that, that, that he's talking about, and I think he's right, but those conversations will go on during the draft because those conversations start to go on going back to the first part of this conversation we had this morning is when players start coming off the board and you start, you start grouping your pods horizontally and you're saying, okay, I'm going to have to be able, I'd like to be able to move down because I think I I can get commensurate value down here and somebody might want have one person they want to come up to get it, but you have to have a trade partner. It's just the way it is. Coach, tell me how your week looks as it relates to Titans radio and what the listeners can expect from you this week. Well, I've got, I've got, I've still got, uh, in fact, I'm going to meet, uh, you know, Mike Keith, uh, Mike Keith and Rhett and I, we still, we, we've got uh, another podcast we're getting ready to record today. Uh, and then what I, and then what I do right now, I'm fielding, you know, calls, you know, from a lot of people, you know, from people around the league, just, you know, checking in, seeing what's, you know, what's going on. You know, uh, I, I know a lot of these guys that run all of these, these draft sites, they're just calling and, and, and checking. And I say, Hey, look, they'll ask me, uh, what do you think about, what do you think about our mock draft? I said, you know what, the God's honest truth. I don't look at it. You know, I, I said, but just ask me about a player. I'll tell you what I think about a player. Okay. And I can give you my opinion on a player, but as far as a mock draft, you know, as much as I do. 
about a mock draft because that's what it is. And so, uh, you know, just a lot of conversations and then trying to clean up some of the stuff because Mike Keith is so organized on the things that we do where we we've got to, uh, you know, we're going to be able to react off of the moment during the draft as to what goes on, but he has a very definite way that he wants to run this thing. And so we're just, we're going through our prep with that. Well, coach, we're looking forward to hearing it. We're looking forward to all the coverage. I love listening to Titans radio this time of year. You guys do a fantastic job. We'll be checking out the podcast. You guys record as well today. And we look forward to next Monday because we'll, we'll have you first. We'll be able to recap everything that happens in the draft with you a week from now. Absolutely. You know what? And that'll be fun. I always love coming on with you guys in the morning, but that'll be fun because we'll have something actually that happened. That is facts. Yeah, speculation's nowhere near as much fun because it just puts you in a spot that you don't want to be in. Coach, you're the best. Thanks. Guys, see you. Thank you. Appreciate it. That is Dave McGinnis. All our draft coverage and Coach Dave McGinnis, sponsored by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage at an affordable price. Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. We are going to play that saving audio you referenced because when I played it's it during awesome. the break, I was like, I like it so much, I want to hit it. But I think we hit it in the start of the fourth hour. Yeah. Uh, so that we can actually react to it. So when we come back, we'll, we'll hit on some of the things we just talked to Coach Mack about, including what Peter King said about he thinks a lot of teams want to trade down in the second round of this draft. is going to be fascinating. We'll talk all about that when we come back. It's Jay Martin Amon, 104.5 The Zone. Oh, it's been a few years <laughs> since the draft was in Nashville and the two bachelorette girls that – well, it went viral to say the least. Nicole Auerbach, who does a great job, award-winning writer for The Athletic, has written kind of a, a history of that and talked to them and gotten the full story. I'm working through it because it was just posted here during the show this morning. And one of the things that you find out is the death stare photo, the one that mm-hmm. was retweeted and all that kind of stuff, was done before the interview was done. Oh, yeah. And it was done by a friend because one of the two of them is in media. One of them's a TV person. I'm not oh. saying it's phony. I'm saying that to some degree they were doing a story about the draft and bachelorette parties that had been pitched by one of these women. Oh. And there's a lot more to this story. The other thing that I find really interesting is this. The image quickly ricocheted around the Internet, amassing more than 5,700 retweets, more than 5,400 quote tweets, in addition to 26,000 likes. The story was quickly picked up by national news outlets. Fox News reached out and offered to fly the two women overnight to New York. Other local news organizations asked if they could tag along for the entire weekend with them. Sager's fiance's phone blew up with texts and screenshots from friends who thought the whole thing was cool. Over the course of the weekend, the women were recognized a few times out at bars and snagged a few free drinks. There's photos in the article. And then the group also got to go to a free outdoor Dirks Bentley concert that took place downtown right after the draft. They were bumped up to basically the front row because of who they were and they were let in for the seventh round of the draft. So like, there's a lot to this. Whoa. A lot of it as a matter of fact. Um, but it was funny. <laughs> I didn't realize. I'm not saying it was phony again. I'm just saying there's a lot to this story. It was already. These being... weren't just two idiot women. Like apparently they were very detailed. This, the bride's very detailed setting all this kind of stuff up. Didn't realize the draft was there and then didn't realize the draft was that big a deal. Oh, yeah. And one of the things 000. she says in there is it's kind of bizarre to go to a draft. It's not even a game. And it's just <laughs> like it is kind of bizarre, quite frankly. When you think about it, you're basically there to watch people get announced, to watch names get announced. Yeah. No, it's it's huge. It's an event now. It's everything that you want it to be because there's so much that surrounds it. My question is this. At least a week out, you had to have known the draft 
was going to be the weekend of your bachelorette party, though. Like, that's the part of me where you say as well is not staged, but in the same sense, it's like you had to have known. Maybe they didn't know it was going to be that big because it was huge. Yeah, it's here. big time. Because I said that my husband was never watching football again, like just being dramatic, people were messaging him and telling him to divorce me. Oh. People are wild. The visceral reaction from people was just crazy. Like, you guys, this is just about a bachelorette party. Y'all need to calm down. I didn't hurt anybody. He did get to watch football. So there's, like, a happy ending. I came to my senses. Of course he can watch football. I'm not a dictator. Well, that vi- Cool story. I- <laughs> <laughs> that, that video did not help her that cause, was- though. No, it no, it did not. She became a mark, man. It was like, it still is. Yeah. They're talking to, that's actually mentioned in the articles how many times it's used in memes and in the news. There's a whole Nashville group oh, on yeah. Facebook that uses it regularly. If there's a city ordinance they don't like, it pops up there. All that kind of stuff. So yeah, they became famous for My it. My reaction to her story is the Lucas Panzica gif. Jif. Just shake his shaking, head. Shaking the head, holding the microphone. Can't believe you just said that. Nick Saban had some really, really interesting comments. Mm-hmm about the draft evaluation process. We're going to play those for you in their entirety to open the fourth hour of this show and react to them as well. Uh, really worth your time to hear this, so stick around for that. We'll talk about, again, this is the season of lies. It's also the season of knocking young men, too, for everything that you can find. But how much control do you have over it as an athlete? That's what Saban, I think, tried to impart to his team. It's worth hearing. It's actually a message I think we can take into life, and we'll do that when we come back. It's Jay Martin, Ramon, 104.5 The Zone.